We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter, at Jacob Morley. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. If you guys remember two weeks ago when Ross and I were on, we had some really exciting news that we were sitting on, and it was really difficult not to say anything, truth be told. Um, And if you follow either of us, you probably know by now Um, But Ross, this is really, you know, big news for you, especially because I know you've worked really hard to to get to this. And it's and it's an awesome privilege that's kind of been bestowed upon you. Um, But Ross, I want to give you the floor, man, and just kind of talk to us about what's going on in your uh, professional life here. So, yeah, like like uh, Jake said, you know, most of you probably um, have, have figured out that I am now the publisher of Packer Report, which is uh, literally a childhood dream. The first stuff that I ever wrote about the Green Bay Packers uh, was on uh, Packer Report's message boards while I was, you know, in, in high school. There is no publication that I more associate with the Green Bay Packers, not the the journal Sentinel, not, uh, you know, the, the Press Gazette, and, and they have 
uh, tremendous traditions and awesome writers working at, at those places as well. But for me, Bill Huber and and Packer Report was always the the standard. It was uh, I, I can feel the autofill uh, that that I typed in. You know the the, the P A C K and then you know boom the rest would just fill in her report on my on my 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 web browser when I was a kid. So this is this is frankly incredible. Um, the, the first thing I did was obviously really just put together an incredible team of which of course you're a part of you're doing our our game previews and uh, I, I couldn't be more excited about giving you kind of an opportunity to write during football season because you've been mostly a draft writer which you do a tremendous job of but I just think that this is kind of a different a different spot and something that's been really worthwhile for you uh, we also added Andy Herman Andy in my opinion, who obviously is the owner of this podcast, is the, the 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 biggest rising star in Packers media period, and that certainly includes myself. If I was going to do this, I needed somebody in Green Bay, and Andy's in Green Bay, and and that fact coupled with his talent level made him the easiest decision I've ever made professionally. Uh, we've also added Peter Bukowski, that who a lot of you know from Acme Packing Company. Uh, we, we've added a number of Packaday contributors uh, as well with uh, uh, Dusty Evely and, and Jake Westendorf. And, and we've got uh, just a just a tremendous, tremendous team, including Jake Ogden, who you probably know as at Seeds of Jake, and Zach Jacobson from Cheesehead TV. Last but not least, I, I got a, a message from Mark Echo. Mark is just an unbelievable story. Mark spent 32 years on the Eagles beat, uh, but has been a Packers fan his whole life. And is kind of in semi-retirement, was working with Bob McGinn before The Athletic uh, scooped up Bob, and, and now he's working with us. So just a, a tremendous amount of experience there. I think his 32 years writing might almost uh, add up to as much as the rest of the squad there, but uh, that, that's, uh, that's a good thing, I think. So we're, we're, we're tremendously excited to to be in this position it's extremely humbling uh a lot of you might may know that ray nitschke actually started the packer report in 1972 and i'm i'm the 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 latest in a a long line of just incredibly talented publishers which includes my immediate predecessor bill huber bills with sports illustrated now but did just such an awesome job uh basically as about a one or a one and a half man show for over a decade doing doing this doing you know creating packer report and we're just really excited to continue on the tradition to try and build off of what what bill started and uh i I couldn't be couldn't be more excited yeah well said and you know it's 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 exciting ross because i'm super stoked about just being able to bring super awesome content to the best fan base in the world. I mean, Packers fans are so hungry, consume so much content so quickly. So I'm just excited to be a part of 
you know the team that you've put together it really is like you said just just humbling to see the list of names on there and to really feel like I don't belong here you know like we've been pumping this but you know to kind of talk about what I already was just talking about you know we're so excited to bring you guys fantastic Green Bay Packers content and Ross you know we have a really awesome promo going on right now too and I'll let you take the floor with that because I know that's kind of uh that's kind of your baby yeah, so what we've got going on uh, is not quite. Well, it depends on how you look at it. it. Depends on what what you're what you're willing to gamble. What you think of us? Uh, what you think of the team that that I've kind of put together? So we have uh, we started off with a buy one get three free promo, which was obviously a tremendous value uh, with with us. You know, basically picking up. Uh, most of the season on our tab if, if you if you gave us a shot but we want to still present value uh, right now and so what we're doing is 30% off of an annual uh, subscription so if you and you can cancel anytime uh, but but if you want to do the annual subscription with us right now and, and kind of take the plunge which I, I can promise you we're going to be worth it we're going to do uh, a 30% off of, of our cost for that. So uh, that's something that, you know, we, we'd like you guys obviously to check out and something that I think is is really worthwhile as we sort of get uh, kicked off here, you know, and, and get our get our feet underneath us a little bit. Yeah, and just very exciting. But what, you know, we haven't even talked about yet. We got freaking Green Bay Packers football to talk about, regular season football. Where else would you rather be than right here at Pack-A-Day Podcast? Ross, what I want to ask you is I think this is kind of the the hot question for most fan bases after week one, and that is, is my team this good on offense or defense, or is the opposing team just bad? Because we really don't know. And so I think with the Packers, you know, we are excited about – the Packers defense obviously I feel like that's where most people their expectations are are sky high right now you know just the way they flew around the field you know I thought they looked fast out there I thought they tackled well in the open field I thought they got after Mitch Trubisky Um, but it is said with the caveat of is the Bears offense just not very good and so I kind of want to hear you speak to that you know obviously the Packers offense struggled as well and we can look back at the Bears' defense of last year and say, well, they legit are probably the best defense in football. So that's something that I think you can find a little twinkle of, of optimism and hope in. Um, but what do you think about this Packers team after one week, Ross? Yeah, I think it's probably too early to tell, uh, which which doesn't really help our listeners any. But at the same time, I think it's important to, to understand that uh, this is an extremely small sample size. And the Bears are very good defensively. So that I don't think needs to be discussed to death. I, I think no matter what, uh, as teams kind of fluctuate and, and, and some teams are you know better than, than we think or, or worse, like I can remember years specifically that we thought the Atlanta Falcons were going to be very good and they went 6-10. and 10. I mean, this kind of stuff happens. Uh, shoot, it, it's happened to the Packers you know, the last couple of years. Uh, but but one thing in one unit that I can pretty much say for sure is that Chicago's defense is going to be good. Uh, Pagano's not Fangio. Nobody really is. But the personnel is still so outstanding that they're not going to have any issues. So 
if, if that's kind of your big question is, are the Bears good on D or are the Packers bad on offense? Right now, the answer is a, a mix of both, but the, the, the true answer is, is shading way towards the Bears being good on defense because the Packers are, are, are if Matt LaFleur is any good at his job, and we would sure hope that he is, they're going to continue to improve offensively. Uh, that's a system that the, those guys are still learning, a uh, system that, frankly, they don't really even have the uh, personnel with, with the guy like Jimmy Graham, and I don't mean to single him out. He's just not a tight, the tight end for this offense. Uh, that's what they're really working on, I think, is the turnover of personnel offensively. They're only one year into that, and they're they're sort of on the fly trying to put together just a good enough offense to to help with with this you know defensive juggernaut that they might have been able to build because the Bears are not untalented on offense. Taylor Gabriel is a very good number two wide receiver, as Allen Robinson is a number one. Uh, they were missing Trey Burton, but Burton's more of a gadget player than a game-defining tight end anyway, as anybody who owned him in fantasy football last year will, will, will certainly tell you. Uh, and, and the offensive line ha- has some good players. Uh, I'm not hyped about the tackles but I, I like the interior guys quite a bit and you know they, they, they've still got Cohen uh, David Montgomery is a good player and, and I think you know their obvious shortcoming is, is at the quarterback but overall this is 12 and 4 football team from a, from a season ago that did not have tremendous uh, roster turnover plus they you know, have the same head coach. Now, Fangio, as I, as I mentioned, sure, he's gone, but Nagy's still there. Yeah, and look, in, in the middle of that game, you're kind of wondering, too, and, and thinking and putting the pieces together. It's like we really set ourselves up kind of silly as Packers fans is, you know, what did we really expect from that offense in week one? You know, you got a brand-new head coach, so you know, you say he's installing a new offense, but he, he is doing that. But he's also doing it for the very first time. It's not like this is a first-time head coach in Green Bay. This is a young first-time head coach going against you know a historically good Bears defense that I think we were hoping that with Fangio gone, they wouldn't be as good. They would take a step back. And, and maybe they did a little bit, but a step back for a, a defense that was that dominant last year is still a pretty dominant defense so I think it's interesting and I think you can really place a lot of hope in the fact that you know Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are going to figure this thing out and if that defense can be a dominant defense like they looked like they they potentially could be Thursday night you know how good does Aaron Rodgers need to be to win a lot of football games with this team you know if he can get to a level where if the Packers are scoring 21 points a game that they're going to be favored you know that's a good spot to be in. I, I'm going to put my money on 12 that he can get this team, you know, to 22, 23, 24 points. So I think you know you hit on all the points that I think you, you should at this point. Is you know you temper all your enthusiasm about pretty much anything at this point. And it, when you look at it, you know the Packers are, you know, uh, wins and losses wise, they're in the exact same position they were in last year. You know, we all know how that. Ended. Obviously, it's a completely different feel. You know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a broken leg at this point, so that you could take that as a positive as well. But, you know, this team just seems to have a different feel 
to it. And I don't know, that's hard to quantify, that's hard to you know, put stats next to or anything like that, but it just feels different. And that's refreshing. That's exciting for this team. So, um, you know, it's a fun win. I know it wasn't fun for a lot of people that aren't Packers. Packers fans are probably the only people that really enjoyed that game because we got the win. Uh, Bears probably, you know, Bears pretty much voiced their displeasure at, at Soldier Field. You know, they were the loudest they were louder booing their own team than they ever were on third and 10 for the Packers. You know, so that says a lot about what the Packers defense was able to do down in Soldier Field. But looking ahead at next week, you know, like I said, last year, last season, we're in the exact same position, 1-0, leaving, you know, playing a divisional rival, going to play the Minnesota Vikings in week two. This something that's interesting to me is, you know, the Vikings look good. They look like a good football team. Um, playing the playing the playing the Falcons, excuse me, last week. You know that game was pretty much over before halftime. They just kind of imposed their will. But there are some things that you know. I'm looking at Pro Football Focus's you know week one uh, team ratings, and one thing that just sticks out like an absolute sore thumb to me, Ross, is on offense. And I do want to mention this: the the Vikings threw the ball 10 times, you know, something like that, 10 or 11 times Kirk Cousins dropped back to pass. But their pass blocking efficiency is rated at a 26.9 after those 10 dropbacks. The next closest team of being bad is the Detroit Lions with a 41.6. So that's a pretty significant jump from second to last place to last place. And the Packers, on defense, their pass rush grade was the 11th best in the NFL at 69.9. And so you're looking at that, and you you got to wonder, Ross, is Mike, Mike Penton's got to be looking at this game saying, if we can stop the Vikings' run game, we're going to get after Kirk Cousins, and we're going to get out of here with a win. And it might be more lopsided than I think what people are maybe even thinking about right now or expecting. Yeah, it's a you know, it's a tight it's a tight spread, three and a half, three, depending on, you know, where where you're getting, which basically means that Vegas thinks the two teams are equal and they're just giving the uh giving the the home team the three. Um and, and I I mean I just I have it from a an intellectual standpoint, I have a tough time having tremendous amounts of, of uh, confidence going into any game with Minnesota just because uh, the last years have been Holmgren-esque in that the Vikings haven't really uh, accomplished anything, but they're still beating the Packers, which is, you know, not uh, not certainly ideal, but is the way that, that things are going. Um, at the, so so that, makes, that, that makes it difficult for me to, you know, kind of, get to blowout city with you i'm not sure I, I i can go there but at the same time what you're saying in context makes a lot of sense because uh, a lot of the stuff that they were able to do to beat atlanta it are, it's just not going to work against green bay's defensive front it's not going to work against kenny clark or the smiths uh or, or frankly even dean lowry um who you know and and, and I'm, frankly i think this is going to be a big week potentially for uh, B.J. Goodson who is going to get the entire week to practice 
was active, uh, you know, on three days of, of being even in the organization. I, I don't think he played. Uh, certainly didn't play on defense. But if if he's ready to go, um, I, I think he becomes a huge piece of the game plan because he is obviously a better run defender than Raven Green, you know. And so um, if, if, if Petten's going to spend a bunch of time in the actual 3-4, which is very un-Petten, but uh, could could be darn near necessary if, if Minnesota's going to try and and run the ball down your throat. I think that's a that's a really rough matchup for for Zimmer's bunch. For uh, I think it, it, it's, it's Stefanski and, and kind of Kubiak now, or whoever's running what they do offensively. I, I don't think that their game plan against Green Bay can be what it was against Atlanta. I don't think it makes philosophical sense to do what they did because they just don't match up well. Uh, their offensive line against Green Bay's defensive line, Kenny Clark and the rest of the Packers' front seven are just better players than than Minnesota's front five. Yeah, and you look at, and, you know, this is not saying that pro football focus is the be-all, end-all. I think we both would agree that it's absolutely not. But looking at just their grades and you look at their run blocking, you know they're they're ranked 10th right now it's just a, a pretty pretty av- and it's it's 10th but with an average score of 62 that's not great and it's not terrible and you look at the packers run defense they're 5 with an 81.1 which is above average getting into that elite range so that's going to be that's going to be a big matchup right there you know if the vikings can and and that's probably something i'll write about later in this week when we look at you know what are some key matchups going into this game and i think that is your number one key matchup is if the vikings can establish the run they might be able to do what they what they want to do but if they can't man it's just i i could see things falling apart really quickly but that's not to say hey you know the vikings defense is not Things things aren't really getting any easier for the Packers. These first three weeks are tough. You know that you got the Bears, who are a divisional opponent with a, a, a fantastic defense. The Vikings, another divisional opponent, very good defense. Oh, and then you got your old pal Vic Fangio coming back to town. Who Matt Lafleur has gone on the record saying he's the hardest guy to prepare for. So those first three games are going to be a big test for this Packers offense and you know I'm really looking at that at week four hopefully that can really galvanize these guys week four week five to maybe really start to see this Packers offense you know kind of get their wheels out of the mud and and really start to get some traction at least that's kind of the hope for me Um, but you know this Vikings game is going to be interesting and you know last year talking about how this was a big game for them as well and say what you want but that the, the flag on Clay Matthews that would have won the game and eventually led to a tie ball game, that is that was demoralizing. And as a fan, I felt it. And I can't even imagine as a player how frustrating that would be. And when you have a coach that's in his last year, you know, un, unknown at that time, but, you know, it pro- he probably was starting to lose that locker room a little bit. And you get adversity like that. And, you know, it's not an excuse, but you can kind of see how that stuff kind of starts to pick a team apart at the seams. Um, so it'll be a big game. You know, this week two game against the Vikings, it's going to be fun. You know, I can't wait to see what Matt LaFleur comes out with in week two. I'm a big fan of his after week one, big fan of that hire. And 
uh, all things have seemed good so far getting that win you know against a really tough defense that wins a win especially a divisional win so we got to be happy with that but looking forward kind of at this Packers team too Ross there are some guys that I think people have some questions about that I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are on um, two of them specifically on the defensive side of the ball both are high draft picks and guys that I think can play and prove that they can play but they didn't get a ton of snaps and the first one is, you know, their 12th overall pick, Rashawn Gary, had a top five grade, according to Pro Football Focus, but he only played six snaps. Um, what do you see with him moving forward? And what would you, or I guess I, guess I should say, what would you like to see with him moving forward and how he can fit into this rotation and this defense? I mean, he, he, need, he needs to, to play more. Uh, quite frankly, and this is obvious, the the amount of snaps that the Smiths played were unsustainable. They they won't, uh, they will not stay healthy if if they continue to play ninety plus percent of the snaps at, at that position. Uh, it's a position that should be rotated, and they need to. If they don't trust Fackrell, they just should release him. I, I don't understand uh, what what that game plan was about. I hope it doesn't continue. I think at the very least you need, you know, if there's 70 snaps, you need to be 50, you know, or 45 with somebody else taking 20 snaps. I don't, they need to go to more of a four-man front on, on, on rundowns and get Dean Lowry out there in, in more of an end position and sneak a B.J. Goodson, you know, in it as an extra linebacker or, or Ty Summers or whatever it is. Uh, but they, they cannot continue to play as much as they played. And Gary has a chance to be a huge part of that. You could get Gary 45 snaps a game just spelling one or the other guy. And um, he, he just earned it. He did. He, he had two pressures created on six snaps. Nobody has a 33% pressure rate. Uh, I don't think that 33% for him is at all realistic to to continue on I, I don't think that you should have your expectations anywhere near that but if you play six times and you screw with the quarterback twice and I don't even think all six snaps were, were throws you you deserve pl- more playing time and if, if that means six snaps becomes 15 snaps that's that means yeah and I think I hope that is what we see and to watch him and I think it's been tweeted probably more than just about any defensive play. But to watch him come up that a gap on that stunt from that his his like five tech or whatever he was playing like that's that's so rare that that ability that he has to be able to to do that like that that's a that's something that you need to appreciate when you see a guy that size be able to move like that and and I, I got to imagine that's kind of what Mike Pettin has envisioned. Um, with him and and you got to give a ton of credit to uh, Mike Smith too. You know the the basically the pass rushing coach that they brought in from Kansas City last year. I know he was a guy we talked about a bunch in the off season, and he's a guy that so far, you know, you give him the talent, it looks like he's picking right up where he left off last year with Justin Houston and D Ford. So that's exciting. Another guy, and speaking speaking of the Chiefs, obviously I live in Kansas City. And I've got Chiefs fans banging down my DMs wondering why in the world is Josh Jackson not playing and what is it going to take to get him off the Packers roster onto the Chiefs roster? 
And my response to that is, you know, Josh Jackson was hurt this offseason. I think the Packers really like him. I don't know what his plans are moving forward. And basically, if you would want to pry him away from the Packers at this point in time, I think you'd have to make an offer that would absolutely blow the Packers away, which I think a team would not want to do at this point. But what are your thoughts on Josh Jackson, and where do you see him you know, fitting in in this defense? And I think specifically what's interesting or what's uh, interesting to think about Ross is, has Tony Brown legit beaten him out to be playing more than him? Or would you would you tie it more to just the fact that he kind of missed a huge portion of this offseason? Yeah, as with many things, uh, it's a gray area. And the gray area for me is, frankly, that I don't know which I give more credit, the missed time or just Tony Brown's play. Tony Brown, poor kid, was the poster child for being in fantastic position, but still... Uh, giving up a completion last weekend I don't think he did himself any any favors because I feel like he got identified as the weak link of the secondary and and they were right you know they were they were correct on that um but boy I've definitely seen Packers corners play worse than Tony did that is for that is for darn sure it just means that they're tremendously deep and uh, they did roll a couple of, of, of dime packages out there that included Josh, and I think that's kind of how things are going to progress. And, and we got to remember as Packer fans that someone's going to get hurt. And it's not just because it's the Green Bay Packers, although that has a lot to do with it. They are, you know, uh, incredibly unlucky in that standpoint. But that's not why. Uh, why is because it's football, and it's incredibly physical. And it's going to continue to be incredibly physical. And so at some point, whether it's Kevin King or Tremont Williams or, God forbid, Jair Alexander or, or even Tony Brown, there's, they're going to have a spot open up. And, you know, my hope is that it's an outside cornerback. Most of what I've seen from Mike Benton is that it's going to be at nickel or dime, which I hate. But, uh, you know, Mike's forgotten more football than I'll probably ever know. So it's hard to, uh, it's, it's hard to argue, but from what I, you know, my evaluation, my scouting of Jackson, he should be playing zone in and outside. You know, he should be the outside corner in the zone scheme, whether it's cover two, cover three, or, or quarters, whichever. Yeah. And, you know, just hearing you talk about how deep the Packers are at corner, and when I talk about how earlier I was saying there's something, there's just a feel about this team that just feels different. And I, I don't want to make – I'm going to make this comparison, but li- hear me out. It, this defense reminds me of the 2010 defense, the Super Bowl defense. And because you look at this team, and it's just at all three levels, there's just talent. There's just young guys that are just ready. You know, you got Kenny Clark up front. Dean Lowry is a real nice player. Montrevious Adams did some nice things on Thursday night, and he seems like a, like a guy that's just going to continue to ascend. Obviously, at the linebacker position, you know, Blake Martinez is, is a stud. He's a good, good player. You know, he's he's your Desmond Bishop in the middle of the field, a guy that is going to make plays all, you know, all, basically all moving forward. I, I'm not, I don't think he's a great, get great in pass pro, but he's a guy moving downhill, getting after the quarterback, being sound in the run game. He's just a stud. Obviously, the Smith brothers are incredible. Rashawn Gary is oozing with talent. Kyler Fackrell, even himself, I hope he has a decent year so somebody can pay him a bunch of money and the Packers get a nice comp pick. 
But you know, then on the back end, we didn't we haven't even really even talked about Darnell Savage. That guy he was incredible. I mean he was you know, maybe not maybe incredible is the wrong word. Maybe refreshing is the word I'm looking for. You know, he's still a rookie out there, but just watching him move on the field is it you, you just get the feel that he's a special, you know, Nick Collins esque type player, which is someone that we compared him to, you know, right after the draft. That's kinda how he plays ball, is he is all over the field. And I know you know, like looking at my Twitter timeline right now, like Andy Herman, he's tweeting about it right now, just how Savage has got that speed that he's just a sideline to sideline guy that makes everyone else look like they're playing in quicksand. And then, you know, we haven't even talked about Jair Alexander, who is a stud on Thursday night, you know, and then Kevin King was healthy. He dropped that easy interception, but like he was, you know, as sticky as glue and Adrian Amos got like, I mean, you, you get what I'm saying. Like this defense has dudes everywhere. And I hope to all get out that they come in next Sunday against the Vikings and just pick up where they left off. Um, because if they can, I mean, gosh, like I said earlier, if this defense can just hold people to under like 21 points, I am very confident this offense will get it figured out that they can, they can put up three touchdowns a game. So, you know, this guy, I think the sky's the limit for this defense. And I think, you know, as you know, Rogers kind of made a comment after the game too. When he talked about foreshadowing, I think it was Jason Wilby that asked him, you know, you talked about this defense needing to carry this offense early in the season. And Rodgers kind of had a little smirk on his face. Like he knew, like he knew exactly how good this defense was. And he kind of knew that it was going to take a few weeks for this defense or for this offense to gel. So I think, you know, this is a really exciting season for Packers fans. So much newness. Um, so hopefully that comes to fruition. But Ross, before I let you go, I want to ask you one question. And we've seen 28 out of the 32 teams play because we're recording this. It's about 6:30 Monday night. You know, I think we're both going to get out of here and try to watch some of these Monday night games. But what team, you know, AFC or NFC, just throw it out there. What team, I guess, scared you the most from watching this last this past weekend? I, you know, I think you have to look at what Philadelphia was able to do and just understand how talented of a roster that is, um, how, how many guys they have uh, in, in their rooms that are the top one, two, three guy at their position in the league. I, and, and just, you know, my opinion of what Carson Wentz is capable of, I think, uh, you got to be a little bit frightened about about what they're capable of in the NFC. Um, you know, Minnesota certainly looked like they they uh, shored up some of the issues that they have, but until their quarterback is somebody who's not Kirk Cousins, I'm, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, if that's the ultimate goal and they're not capable of it, you can only really be so concerned. But yeah, I mean, I think Minnesota and Philly. You know, made you think a little bit, uh, and and then obviously what Kansas City was able to do uh, is kind of terrifying, especially with a, a trip to Arrowhead. You know, on the on the docket for kind of early on in the season. Well, you know, living in Kansas City, they're Kansas City fans are upset. They're they're pissed. They're like, you know, for putting up forty points was a sputtering offensive performance for them, and it's just kind of funny how the 
this the this the script has been very flipped how how spoiled you get and how quickly you get spoiled and it's like man Patrick Mahomes is he's must watch television like he is he's doing very special things right now and I agree that's that's a game that I think is is terrifying and I I hope to God that that defense just stays terrible because I think that's the only chance the Packers can go blow for blow with them is if they're they probably have the worst two starting corners in the NFL Um, so that bodes well for the Packers and the Packers defense can play well but you know a couple other teams Ross that I just wanted to point out to you is obviously the, the Patriots are the defending Super Bowl champions they didn't look like they took a step back in any way shape or form and we don't need to get into the Antonio Brown saga but you know he that dude can play football and for whatever reason, it seems like the Patriots take in those guys and it's not an issue anymore. Now, hopefully, I, I hope, personally, I, as a fan, I hope he goes into that locker room and sets the thing on fire, you know, but it, that's not really been the case for them in the past. The other team that I thought looked really good was the fighting Kellen Moores of the Dallas Cowboys. I thought, you know, Kellen Moore, the new OC down there, I think he had a really good game plan. Um, against the Giants. Granted, they're playing the Giants, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. Um, but watching Randall Cobb run around out there with Michael Gallup, and I know Michael Gallup's your dude. He looks like he's going to blow up this year. And then obviously Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, that offensive line. The defense is good. That could be that could be a contender in the NFC. You know, So that's something that I think is worth watching. But the, the year is so young, we have no idea. We, have, we really do. If anyone tells you that they have an idea, they're trying to sell you something or they're lying. We really don't know. Um, and that's the beauty of this thing is every week is is a brand. It's really like a brand new season. So uh, we're here. We're here for it. Uh, you know, keep it tuned right here at Pack-A-Day Podcast. We'll be with you guys every step of the way. Uh, Ross, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, one more time, if you have not done already, head on over to PackerReport.com. Um, and check out the promo we got going right now. Make sure you get signed up for that. I promise you guys, you will not regret it. And until next time, go Pack Go. First and 10 from the 17 to San Francisco. Give Jones around the right end, gets a block, makes the turn, 10 to the 5, to the end zone. Second and two, six-yard line to Minnesota, tied at seven apiece. Graham tight end right side of the line, three receivers punch to the left, Rogers under center. It's motion to the right. Here's the pitch. Jones around the left end. He's got Bakhtiari blocking in front. Jones makes the turn of the pylon to the end zone for the touchdown. Second and short. Get Jones. Big hole. Right side 20. 15 10 to the end zone. Touchdown. Takes the snap. Delay. Hands it off. Jones up the middle with a burst.
single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks in under center. From the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff up the middle. Big hole, straight ahead. Here's Aaron Jones. Off to the races. To the 20, to the 15, to the 10. Down the left sideline. And he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the 5-yard line of Miami. Aaron Jones with a first 67 yards. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.